So John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, you know that we, like sheep, have all gone astray, each to our own way. And so we come now to the good shepherd and ask that you would feed us the good food of your pasture to feed our souls, and by your spirit that you would guide us and lead us and protect us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a a good book that I picked up and read was called The The Shepherd's Life by James Rebanks, a, a modern day shepherd. Uh, The book is, I would rate it kind of PG-13 just because of some of the language, but uh, that aside, it's rather fascinating to me that shepherding is currently not a career that someone would seek out necessarily for financial gain. Um, The shepherds live in difficult circumstances in today's era, and quite frankly, um, it's not the greatest pain, so you, you do this because you really love the job. And as I read through the book, I thought to myself, boy, here, here's a man who really is a good shepherd. He is in the Lakelands district of, of England, and he recounts an entire year of what it's like from uh, winter and spring and summer and fall to, to, be a, to be a shepherd. Let me read you just a little snippet here. He says, um, as he's reflecting on winter, he sees this black crow He says, he sees me before I see him, a young bull-necked raven, coal black, scared of nothing and with a belly full of the dead. 
Ravens live on our failures. Brutal, arrogant, cruel, and sometimes stunningly beautiful. I'm reading an ear tag for my records and I write it down on a soggy, dirty notebook. 1,547 dead. Pneumonia. Meanwhile, the raven, he rises like a stone in his belly. He's punch drunk on sheep. Our casualties are not often pretty because life and death often isn't. Winter is attritional to the flock. So two older sheep who are too old for this winter lie down with their bellies bloated and their eyes have been stolen out. Atop the corrugated roof, the black bullock shed, the raven steps from one claw to the other. Every movement of his thick, dark body says he's gorged. There are moments like this when you are half beat and the dark news shadows menacingly over you. One of these ewes was lying dead here that meant so much to me. She was the best that I had. She was like the matriarch of the flock. The previous year, she had led out of the snowdrifts this last winter when they were in danger. Snow. Shepherds fear and loathe deep snow and drifting winds. Snow kills. It buries the sheep. It buries the grass and makes the sheep even more dependent on us for survival. Listen, we suffer, he says, everyone else's excitement. Everybody else is saying snowballs, snowmen, sledding. But we fear. A little snow might be harmless. We can hay the sheep and we can endure the cold you know, easily enough. But the combination of wind and deep snow is a killer. It kills sheep and it easily can kill men and women. Here's a man who loves his sheep. Who knew? In 2015, even with all the modern technology that we have, four-wheelers, GPS, antibiotics, everything that we have for raising sheep, it's still a difficult and trying task that leads him to suffer. You know, I'm pretty sure that you can find shepherd after shepherd that might be like this. But have you ever seen a shepherd that is willing to give up his life for the sheep? Willing to die for the sheep? Do we know a shepherd like that? If you found a shepherd like that, who says, I'm willing to die so that my sheep that I'm, you know, pasturing out in the, in the flock, I'm willing to die for them. Um, we would get various responses to that. I think we would say, you're insane. What do you think you're doing? You're a human. They're just sheep. What are you doing? Giving your life for them. This makes no sense. That's crazy talk. Well, that's what we saw here in verse 19 through 21. There again was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Friends, lay down your life for the sheep? That's insane. What are you talking about? Well, remember just prior to this passage in chapter 9, we read of a man who was born blind, and Jesus, the good shepherd, heals the man who's been born blind. And again, this growing theme that we see in the Gospel of John is we discover more and more there's a greater and greater divide between the people who are continuing to follow Jesus, continuing to listen to their shepherd, and those who are continuing to say, he's demonically possessed. He is is out of his mind. Turn away. 
Jesus in the, in the Gospel of John does not speak in parables, but rather he uses metaphors to describe the Christian life. And it's these metaphors that people cannot bear with. He opens here with this metaphor in chapter 10, talking about shepherding and a sheep and a, and a sheep pen. In a gated sheep pen, you would likely have several um, families who might pool their resources together. So, so you get a big pen like the size of this room and there might be four or maybe five families who each have their sheep who, who've helped build this wall and, and maintain it. And so at night, we, each of the families, we bring in our sheep. Then in the morning, the shepherd of each one calls their sheep out and they go out. They'll pasture for the day. They'll, they'll be fed. And then they come back in for safety at night. Um, but a thief or a robber may try and come in, not by the main way, not by the main entrance, a different way. In a dark corner, they might come to undo some of the stones or pull down some of the wood so that they can have access to take a sheep or two or more out. And this is what we see here at the beginning of John chapter 10, verse 1, where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So what we're coming to first is this first category that we should take a little bit of time to consider. Someone who gets in with the sheep, but is not the shepherd nor a sheep. That person is one who we ought to consider a thief or a robber. And some some of you, I know, because I've gotten to know you well enough and, and your personality bent, you're the type of person who is very suspicious of everyone. Everybody's out to get you. Everybody's, you know, a, a possible threat. Everybody's a possible thief or, or robber. And, and so you don't trust anyone. In fact, you don't even trust yourself. But others of you are in a different category. You, you've swung the pendulum to the whole other side where your natural bent is to trust everyone, to assume that everyone is always good-hearted and well-intentioned. And, and, the, and the, the Christian way of thinking and wisdom, we want to avoid both of these extremes. But, but here Jesus highlights a cold reality for us. The fact he makes so clear is that some have it in their sights to do harm to the flock for their own gain. Scripture brings this out so often. When we spent time uh, over a year ago in 1 John, we saw that that theme was brought out again and again. These false Christians, false teachers who would find themselves in the church, but really have no business there except to bring harm. And in some cases, they are there knowingly. In some cases, you will find these people have come in, not through the main way, but through a, a, a false way, and they are there knowing what they are doing. They don't really believe any of this. They're just there to scam the people. That is some cases. Other times, they are being used by the enemy but they are so self-deceived, they think that they are part of the true way. They think that they are entered through the right door, but they're self-deceived. And so church, I just want to remind you, some people know the Bible. Some people memorize the Bible. Some people sound solid. And they might wear suits or they might come across as very Christian to you. And yet, in fact, they may not be. You know the reason that the Little Red Riding Hood is still a popular tale today? My grandmother, what big eyes you have. 
And it's the kind of tale, you know, you tell your kids at nighttime right before they go to bed and you say, sleep tight. But the reason is, is this, this tale still stands is because it's so true that some people dress up and they put on a front, either knowingly or unknowingly, and they're not genuine. And John 10 is saying that this is a reality. Truly, truly, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And Jesus makes it clear that this will not result, though, even though someone may come in the wrong way, this will not result in the sheep being duped. Why? Verse 5. Listen, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Look down at verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Do you see that? The true sheep. They don't recognize this voice of this person come in. So they will not follow him. Church, I don't desire to paint, you know, a real dire picture, but there are a lot of thieves, a lot of robbers who have broken into the sheepfold. And and we need to be careful listeners. We really do. When we hear talk of God blessing us financially now, or when we hear talk of always healing us of whatever ailment that we have, if we just have the right faith, Or we hear whispers of a secret knowledge that only key insiders get. Or we come to hear a legalistic bent of rules that are utterly devoid of the grace of God. You need to say, you need to say, that's not my shepherd. That's not my shepherd. I don't recognize that voice. The more time we spend then with Jesus' words, the more we will be like the Bereans who searched the scripture. And didn't just swallow whatever was given to them. Again, church, I want to remind you, we want to be a reading church, spending a good portion of our time in the word and a good portion using other resources to help us better understand the word. This, this issue of false teachers, it's, it's not just a matter, friends, of, of pastors and pulpits, although that's very much there. It, it used to be, if you wanted to hear heresy, you at least had to go out of your way to hear it. You have to walk down to the heretical pastor preaching in the church. But nowadays, you don't even have to rise up out of your bed. You you just grab your phone or your TV or your laptop, and it's right there. And I just want to remind you that for every podcast or YouTube video or whatever, every 99 of them, you know, that you get, there might be one that, that is solid. The ratio is not good. In other words, so listen with a discerning ear. And just to remind you that one of the roles of the elders of this church body, one of our main roles is to protect our sheep. So I just want to remind you one way that we can do that is if you're listening to something, if you if you found somebody you like and you're like, boy, I like part of the parts of this, but other parts, I is this solid? Why don't you send a send an email to one of the elders? Um, I, I love, and just a few weeks ago, I, I received one from, uh, from one of you in the church saying, can, can you listen to this? Does this sound right? And it, and it provokes a good conversation to say, here's what's true and right about this, and here's what is concerning, and we need to, you know, maybe we eat the meat and we leave the, the veggies, or what, you know, we need to be discerning people, right? But true sheep of Jesus are discerning people. We will hear the shepherd's true voice and respond with obedience and belief, We will hear his voice. Jesus says, if we are his sheep, we would know him by his voice. 
I recall hearing a, a Wycliffe um, a missionary. He was off in the Middle East, and he was, you know, there doing some work. And he was walking down one of the roads where they literally still have shepherds just going down the road. And he said, I I stood there kind of in amazement for a moment because I saw one little shepherd boy walking down with his flock and I saw another man walking with his flock down and they got onto the same street and all of a sudden the sheep were intermixed and he thought, this is a nightmare. He wanted to run in and kind of, you know, separate out the sheep. How are these sheep are all messed up now? How, how, how's this going to work out? Well, one of the shepherds took a right-hand turn, and as he took the right-hand turn, he just turned back to his flock, and he said, or something to that effect. I'm not a shepherd, so I don't know exactly, but what what happened? All the sheep immediately that were his just went, followed him right away, because they know his voice. Friends, do you know the voice of your shepherd like that? Are you listening closely? One of the reasons that our men's and our women's Bible studies, we spend a lot of time looking at scripture and we also do things as we've been doing, considering, considering systematic theology, historic theology, the Apostles' Creed, is because we want to take all of script that scripture says regarding God, the Father, regarding um, the forgiveness of sin, regarding Christ who's born of a virgin, regarding the church and other things. We want to understand all that scripture says regarding these things so that we have a way of filtering out and discerning What is the true voice of our shepherd versus what might sound good? What might be a good bumper sticker that we've picked up along the way that we like to repeat over and over, but just biblically is absolutely not true at all. It might leave us with a tainted view of Jesus that's not healthy for us, or even worse, it might lead us from light to darkness. This is so important because the people of God have really had a bad track history of picking up bad shepherds and listening to them. Uh, just, just as we've seen with John already, he is steeped very much in the Old Testament scriptures. When we were back in John chapter 3, we saw how John was picking up on Ezekiel 36 and 37. I think here in John chapter 10, he has very likely in view Ezekiel chapter 34, where God the Father is warning uh, the people through Ezekiel that you've been listening to shepherds, but they're bad shepherds. They're leading the flock off cliffs to, to kill them or devour them. God says through Ezekiel, he says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughtered the fattened ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And again, if we find ourselves in in a church that is not a word-centered church, I have a question for you. What's on the menu? If we're not eating the word, what are we eating? Or who's being eaten? Who is it that is being devoured? Ezekiel's word from the Lord is essentially saying, what is up with you shepherds? You're just here for your benefit. You're hired hands. You're not willing to suffer for the sake of my sheep. And we see this here too. In John chapter 10, it's a reoccurring theme that has happened with the people of God, you know, thousands of years ago, and it will continue on. So we see here in verse 12, 13, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees, listen, 
He is a hired because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Here Jesus is using this phrase hired hands it brings to the uh, to the mind to this idea of a category of they're just doing it for the money. They're just there doing a job to collect a paycheck as it were. Now I I worked along two firefighters um, in close quarters for over five years. And as I did, if I heard one firefighting story, I heard a hundred firefighting stories. And some of them were hilarious. Uh, They had me laughing. Some of them were tragic and sad and, you know, brings a lump to your throat. I, I love to hear how some of these adventures worked, but one thing that really stood out to me after hearing their story after story after story was there were guys who were, who were there just to collect a paycheck. Uh, they would tell me about so-and-so, they were out in a job and they watched them fake an injury, and then they would go off and just sort of, you know, for three, four months, you know, collect money while they just got to kind of loaf it on the sofa. And they would tell other men, this is what I'm doing. So it was obvious. They're just there for the paycheck. They don't really care. But then they would speak of others who, when firefighting, saving people, they they would do it because firefighting and saving people was in their DNA. It was in their blood. It was just who they were. Friends, there's always a firefighter where if you give them enough money, they'll sit back 100 feet from the flames holding the hose all day long. Just keep paying them the money. But then there are other people where if you said to them, listen, listen, um, today we can't pay you. We've run out of funds. But meanwhile, there's a building on fire here and there's people inside. They don't care. It's not about the money. They're going to run in because of course they will. It's in their blood. It's in their DNA. And they will go in and risk their own life and limb. Because for them, it's not really about the money. Sure, they're paid to be there, but, but it's ingrained in them to save those who are at threat. They are there to save, and if need be, if it comes to it, and we've seen this, lay down their lives for others. So consider now, consider with me Jesus, who in great contrast to those people who are just hired hands, is a shepherd whom the true sheep of God recognize. They see him, they hear him, and they follow him. He is a shepherd rather than fleecing the sheep or slaughtering them for his own gain. He will tend to them. Look at this in verses two through four. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he is brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Not only the one whom they hear, but they hear their own name. He knows each one individually. This is amazing to me. I hope this lands on you. The shepherd knows each of us individually and collectively, but individually. Christian, your hurt. Christian, your pain, your sin, your worries, your anxiety, your heart, your longing. Yep, he knows all of it, all of it and more. And yet, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. His work in your life is to carry you through the hurt and the pain and the heartache and the anxiety and the worry so that he will provide for you full salvation. So friend, if you're with us this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I, okay, this is great for all the sheep that are already in the fold. 
This is great for those who are already in the flock. What about me? Well, friend, this entire gospel was written so that you would believe and be saved. And and the moment that question is brought into view, you see what Jesus says plainly right here in verse 9. I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So you want to know how to get into the flock, the fold. Well, the metaphor has changed slightly here. Jesus is the metaphor has shifted just a bit. He's not the shepherd in this case. Rather, he's the door, the gateway by which the sheep come in and go out. Uh, Here we think of John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, that gate, that doorway. Jesus himself. So we remind you this morning that this grace is for you here today. Who you, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus and believe in Christ this morning, recognizing that sin and corruption have made your wool stained brown, stained with filth. And yet the gospel good news this morning that's coming to you is to declare to you even this morning again that you in your filth, you in your disgust, that God himself has cleansed you. Paradoxically, his blood washes us white as snow. And this is where Jesus goes. It's right where he goes here in the passage in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And again, in verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Finally, (laughs) finally, we have a shepherd who is the good shepherd. And there is an intimate knowledge of one another. So that the good news of Jesus come means that unlike anyone who has ever come before, At last, we finally have a good shepherd with a capital S, a good shepherd. And think through, what does that mean for you and I this morning? Jesus is our shepherd. Surely it means that Christ is our caretaker, our high priest who mediates on our behalf. He is our protector, our provider, our guardian, our sustainer. He is our savior. Have we not heard a myriad of ways that Jesus explains this already in the gospel of John? That he is the bread of life. That he is the water. That Christ is the uh, bread come from heaven. He is the light. He is the shepherd. And he is the door. So you and I, we consider all these things. Our shepherd gives us the water of the sky and the grain of the field for food. And he waters the trees so that we can build our homes here in the Northwest. He provides for you and I our basic needs, but so much more. Christ spiritually saves us from eternal death. He gives us his spirit to comfort our hearts. He gives us his word to quiet our minds. He gives us the church to help us cross the finish line. He even gives us leaders in our lives under shepherds, as it were, to help us see him more clearly. Friends, Christ is our good shepherd, giving us everything we need for life and godliness. The Bible's way of speaking puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to say that everything finds its yes and amen in him. St. Patrick penned it this way. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, 
Christ in danger. Christ in the hearts of all that love me. Christ in the mouth of a friend and a stranger. And it's right there on that point that Jesus is saying to these Jews, my name will be on the lips and the hearts of particular strangers. The sheepfold that Jesus has been referencing here has been made up of Judaism. He was with the Jews, talking with the Jews. It was the Jewish leadership he had been interacting with. It was other Jews of his region and time. And and Jesus is hinting that uh, God's sheepfold is far, far bigger than just these Jews here. And so recall we're in a book where the good news is that Christ has come for the world. For God so loved, not just the Jews, for God so loved the world. And thank the Lord that this is true because it, it sweeps you and I into this Narrative in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. Listen, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. There's not two ways. There's not two flocks. There's not the Jews and then the Christians. It's just the Christians who also are made up of the Jews. The, the lines have expanded so that it's Jew and Gentile. This is so key. Those who come in, not of this fold, will hear Jesus and they will believe and they will come into this fold. And it's always come in the same way, past, present, and future. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. And so we're reminded of the themes that we saw in Ephesians as we spent time in Ephesians, so seeing how much it was that God's redemptive sweep of history was to, and, and mystery that was being revealed was to bring two people into one. We think of John chapter 17 where Jesus will be praying in the garden. Right before he goes to the cross to suffer for his sheep, he prays this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may be one, all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. Friends, John 17 being that crucial prayer in the garden, right before Jesus is taken to the cross. This laying down of his life for the sheep. And it's all with purpose. There's a tremendous driving purpose to this whole thing, is that the purpose of of Christ laying down his life for the sheep, the rising of Christ, the resurrection, and subsequently the rising of us. This is in view here. See that verse 17 and 18, where he says, For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. I love this. Because I can picture the conversation between Christ the Son and God the Father. Where God the Father says, Son, I give this charge to you. I'm entrusting this plan of salvation to you. That son, if you go through with this and you do this, you will have authority, not just to lay down your life, but I'm granting you the full authority to rise from the dead and to bring all the sheep that are in that fold into one flock and rise and to call them to rise. Friends, taking all of this in this section into account, Jesus' care for us is not cold or indifferent. He loves us with an overseeing love, a shepherding love. It's selfless, it's expansive, and it's driving us towards the purpose of resurrection. 
And don't miss it. It is a sacrificial love. Jesus paid it all to save us. I think some of you may have heard this last week in the news or saw it on the, on the TV, the news report that came out of Georgia um, about the, the mother who um, that was standing in front of her home. There was an accidental house fire. And she's standing out there and the reports from the witnesses was that the neighbors saw the smoke. They saw the the flames coming from the home. So they ran over there and and the mother, Madison Somerville, who's 23 years old, standing outside the home while her three children are inside the house that is in flames. And the witnesses said, we heard her make very clear, I'm not leaving until all of my kids are out of the house that's on fire. So what do you think she did? Of course she did. Her kids are in there. Her babies are in there. Her sheep are in there. So she runs in. And in the middle of this running in, she gives her life to save her three children. 24 hours later, giving, succumbing to the smoke inhalation and dying And praise God, her three children are okay. And amazingly, in God's plan of this was that out of Madison's tragic death, these poor kids now without a mom, but eight others now are going to be saved because of her organ donation. It's amazing to see. But friends, Jesus Christ ran in there for you. Jesus Christ stood outside that building with you and I, his sheep inside while the flames and the smoke are rising. And the witness of everybody come and who heard the reports declared to us, he wasn't leaving until his sheep were out. He wasn't leaving until all of his sheep were saved. And so Jesus Christ entered into that house to redeem you from the flames, from the fires of death and hell, so that you would be saved, his life for yours. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Thank you, Lord, that it doesn't end there. It was all with tremendous purpose. He lays down his life, and God the Father has granted him authority that he would take it back up, and that all those who are hidden in him as his sheep will be raised too, so that there would be one shepherd, And one flock. Well, this morning I would like to close with where we opened. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. And as I read Psalm 23, I'm going to invite you to read it with me. It's found on page 428 of the Bibles under the seat. And as I read this, um, if that's weird for you to read it along with me, then don't do it. (laughs) That's okay. You don't have to. But if it would be an encouragement to you, would you read this with me? And as I'm reading these words and you're reading them with me, I have have a, a request. When David penned these words 4,000 years ago, they were true and they were right. David wrote of his Lord, the shepherd. And here it is 2,000 years later. That we, because of Christ, recognize just how true David's words are. So as we read them, would you read these with Christ in mind? Our good shepherd who has come to lay down his life. That we have a full knowledge of just how good our shepherd really is. 
So here I go. If you can read with me, that would be great. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to worship and bow down. For you are our God and we are the sheep of your pasture, just the sheep of your hands. And we come acknowledging that you are the one who did indeed lay down your life. A shepherd who has come who is unlike any shepherd ever come before. And for that we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.